0: Hello and welcome to the Greenfield Baptist Sermons podcast. Each week we will be uploading the Focus Scripture and Sermon from Greenfield Baptist Church in Northeast Pennsylvania. Thank you for joining us and enjoy. Lord God, we thank you uh, for the chance to be in your house this morning, chance to be together to worship you, to call upon your name, to hear your voice. Lord, may we quiet our hearts enough this morning to listen. We didn't come just for the platitudes of sitting in a service, checking a box. We came to hear your voice. We came to hear you speak to us today. May we not just sit in a pew taking up space, but rather set ourselves up to experience you this morning. To listen to that word that you have put on our hearts. To recognize your hand in our life. To look for that providence, ways that you have been working in and around us. May that be our heart this morning, not just reading another chapter or hearing more of the story, but recognizing the difference you make in our life. What as we read this morning from Esther 2, I pray that you'd help us to recognize that you are here today in our midst, already working. In your name we pray. Amen. Alright, so here's, the, here's the, the question. Did you read this week? Yeah. Who read this week? I heard, I heard some, a family read together. I heard that this week. I want to encourage you. Uh, someone was caught reading last week at 10 to 11 for second service. I was like, what you got on your phone? <laughs> I'll take it, right? I'll take it. I want to encourage you as we read through Esther, we're going to read a chapter a week. Next week, it's only 15 verses. That's a small one. That'll be an easy one. I want to, uh, I want to make mention that between last week's passage and this week's passage, there are four years approximately. There's a good chunk of time. The king didn't, didn't get over uh, Vashti very quickly. He had other things going on and he was kind of frustrated. But after four years or so, King Xerxes' fury had subsided and he remembered Devasti and what she had done and what he had decreed about her, right? Remember that he put her away, never to be seen again. Then the king's personal attendants proposed, let a search be made for beautiful young virgins for the king. Let the king appoint commissioners in every province of his realm to bring all these beautiful young women into the harem at the citadel of Susa. Let them be placed under the care of Haggai, the king's eunuch, who is in charge of the women. And let the beauty treatments be given to them. Then let the young women who please the king be queen instead of Vashti. The advice appealed to the king, and he followed it. And now, when there's, then then there was a sita, in the citadel of Susa, a true a tribe of Benjamin. Mordecai, son of Jair, son of Shimei, son of Kish, who had been carried into exile from Jerusalem by Nebuchadnezzar, king of Babylon, among those taken when Jehoiakim, king of Judah. Mordecai had a cousin named Hadassah, whom he also brought up, because she had neither father nor mother. This young woman, who was also known as Esther, had a lovely figure and was beautiful. Mordecai had taken her as his own daughter when her father and mother died. When the king's order and edict had been proclaimed, many young women were brought to the citadel of Susa and put under the care of Haggai. Esther also was taken to the king's palace and entrusted to Haggai, who had in charge of the harem. She pleased him and won his favor. Immediately, he provided for her beauty treatments and special food. He assigned to her seven female attendants selected from the king's palace and moved her and her attendants into the best place in the harem. Esther had not revealed her nationality or her family background because Mordecai had forbidden her to do so. Every day, he walked back and forth near the courtyard of the harem to find out how Esther was and what was happening to her. Before a young woman's turn came to go into King Xerxes, she had to complete twelve months of beauty treatments prescribed for the women—six months with oil and myrrh, and six with perfume and cosmetics—and this is how she would go to the king. Anything she wanted was given to her to take with her in the harem, from the harem into the king's palace. In the evening, she would go there, and in the morning, to another, uh, return to another part of the harem to the care of Shagaz, the king's eunuch who was in charge of the concubines. She would not return to the king unless he was pleased with her and summoned her by name. When the turn came for Esther, the young woman Mordecai had adopted the daughter of Uncle Abihail. To go to the king, she asked for nothing other than what Haggai, the king's eunuch, was in charge of the harem, suggested. And Esther won the favor of everyone who saw her. She was taken to King Xerxes in the royal residence in the ten month in, of Tebeth in the seventh year of his reign. Now the king was a, attracted to Esther more than to any other woman. And she won his favor and approval more than any of the other virgins. So he set a royal crown on her head and made her a queen instead of Vashti, and the king gave a great banquet, Esther's banquet, for all the nobles and officials, and he proclaimed the holiday throughout the provinces and distributed gifts with royal liberality. And when the virgins were assembled a second time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate, but Esther had kept secret her family background and nationality, just as Mordecai had told her to do, for she continued to follow Mordecai's instructions, as she had done when he was bringing her up. During that time, Mordecai was sitting at the king's gate in Bigthana, and Teresh, two of the king's officers who guarded the doorway, became angry and conspired to assassinate King Xerxes. But Mordecai found out about the plot and told Queen Esther, who in turn reported it to the king, giving credit to Mordecai. And then the report was investigated and found to be true. The two officials were impaled on poles. All this was recorded in the book. Of the annals of the in the presence of the king, may God add his blessing as we continue singing this morning this morning. thank you for the opportunities you put in front of us. thank you for the crowd that's moving already <laughs> you're a good and mighty God. Amen. all right for the rest of you who didn't run, go <laughs> hurry you're going to miss it. Do you like that herd coming off the top out there? (laughs) So we're in week two or week three of actually Esther, but chapter two of Esther. If you didn't remember, and today we're going to talk a little bit more about the victory of the day, but I want to start out with God's providence. I want to remind you what that is. His constant care for and his absolute rule over his creation for his own glory and the good of his people. You've had a couple weeks to think about providence. We're not going to stop talking about God's providence. Remind, I'll remind you that God is the word God is not spoken in the book of Esther, and yet we see God's fingerprints all over it. And so I want to en- challenge you, encourage you, we got a minute or two. Uh, to ask you, have you seen God's providence in your life this past week? Are you looking for it? That's that's the first thing, right? Have you seen God's providence in your life this week? Are you looking for it? Have you seen it? Have you seen God show up? Maybe not. Maybe we need to look a little harder. Maybe we need to keep an eye out for where God's working behind the scenes. Shelly gave praise to God. Uh, that didn't just happen this week. That's been a process. They didn't know that was a process, right? <laughs> they didn't know they were in the prof- process, but God's providence was working in behind the scenes for a chunk of time. Right, We see those things as God. I want you to look for those things. God's hand in your life. God's hand in the direction of where you're headed. Even in the things that may not seem that God's working. Let me give you an example. Today we're talking about what? A beauty pageant. God's providence in a beauty pageant. How does that work? God's providence in something that I think, I believe, would make The Bachelor look pretty G-rated, if we're honest. What we have today is this forced beauty pageant, right? These, these eunuchs, they decide, hey, I got an idea. We're going to make King Xerxes feel better. How about we get you a new queen? I don't know if you noticed when they decided to get a, a new queen. You didn't really get a choice. This wasn't a volunteer position. I just need you to understand that. It said they just went from province to province. Now, you remember from last week, there were 127 provinces. So at least, we're going to guess, they at least picked the best one from each one of those, right? So at the very least, there were 127 and you didn't have a choice. It wasn't like you said, eh, sorry, I got other things to do. I'm not really interested. That's not how this worked. This was a beauty pageant that you were instructed that you would be there. This beauty pageant uh, was different in some other ways as well. On Wednesday night, there was a question. So what happened? They're called, they are called virgins for a reason, right? understanding that they weren't married. That term was used a little more loosely. I say that it's a lot more like the bachelor than we maybe would want to believe. They went to the king's bedroom at night. They left in the morning. If he could remember their name, they might get to come back and be the queen. What happens if they didn't Get remembered by the king. Anyone? They lived in the harem. They were concubines. <laughs> they didn't go back home. <laughs> That's not the option. Remember what I told you about the concubines last week. The concubines are, were the the women who were brought in after they had been drinking for a week. And the, and the commentators say that the queen and her party would have left because they were probably being accosted, being touched, being inappropriately mishandled. So there's a good chance that they were getting out of there before the concubines came. Mind you, they'd been drinking for what, a week? At the, last, the, the, at the second feast, there was a week. How does God work? in the midst of a beauty pageant? How does God work in the midst of something that, if we're willing to go there and read the Scripture, we recognize very quickly was one not okay. In some ways, we would might call it human trafficking. At the least, it was sketchy mind you we didn't live we live in a different time today but the king had all the power he had the power that if someone walked in his door unannounced he could listen or have them killed and in the midst of a beauty pageant god's providence shows up god's providence shows up In a big way. And that Hodassa, her Jewish name, or Esther, her Persian name, is young and beautiful and gets noticed. Even in the background, God continues to work. It reminds me that God works in our today. God is working in our today. He is working in our midst at this moment. We don't set an appointment in our phone to meet with God in three months. Like we do our doctors, right? Our specialists. Well, I can't get in. I'm not going to get in until September or whatever. And so I set my appointment. All right, I'm a, God is busy, so I'm going to set my appointment for three months from now. It's not how it works. God is providing in our today, our this morning, in our midst. He's working in the background now. Do you realize that He's working in the background of your life as we speak And we may not see the results of that for a week. We may not see the results of that for a month, or a year, or even ten years. God's providence working in the path of our life. In some weird way, in verse 2, God's able to use the eunuch's He said, let's go look for some a queen to replace Vashti. We know you're feeling bad about life. You had to get rid of this woman who wouldn't listen to you, is pretty much what they're saying. But we have a plan. We can help you with this. We'll get you... She was an old queen. Let's get her a new one. right? We're going to get you a new version, a new model. Right? That's, that's what's going on. Do you believe that God can use today? That he wants to work in the day, today, right now? Do you believe that he's already working in and around you? That he's already got his fingerprints all over your life? It's not a matter of whether God is doing that or not. If you're one of His, if you are a follower of Jesus, He has His fingerprint on your life. The challenge is, am I willing to take the time and energy? Am I willing to be quiet and sit and listen for my Savior's voice? Am I willing to do the hard work of asking the hard questions? Am I willing to go And allow myself to be broken of who I am. And let God make me who he wants me to be. Each of us knows it's a process. But that God has already started the process. I don't know whether we're one day away from that. My sense is that God's continually working behind the scenes moving us in a direction. Sometimes we do the Jonah thing, right? We get a little scared. We, we, we see God working in our life, and we're like, holy cow, what just happened, right? If you don't know what I'm talking about, read Jonah. It's a pretty impressive book, right? Four chapters. Um, just so you know, I love chapter four the best. My favorite verse in there is the one where the caterpillar eats the plant. Poor old Jonah's hiding under this plant, the only shade he's got, right? Stupid caterpillar eats the plant and the leaf falls on his head. No more shade. That's my favorite part, but. Jonah! We know about Jonah. We know about Jonah and the whale or Jonah and the big fish, whatever you want to call it. We know it because we we realize that: holy cow, how can someone get eaten by a big fish lay in there for three days? puked out all over, and survive. That's the part we know about Jonah. Here's what I want you to read about Jonah. Jonah had a plan. God gave him a call, a mission. He, he had already set it up. Jonah, just listen to me. Go do your thing. Here's what it is. Here, take this, the gospel, to those people, And share it see what happens. You know why Jonah didn't want to go? He hated them, right? Yeah. He hated those people. You know what Jonah did? This is a Jonah move. God says, go north, young man. (laughs) And Jonah went south. He didn't even stay still. He said, I think I can run faster than God can run. And I'm going to get away from him. There was a call on his life. And he went the wrong way. He chose to make the wrong decision. Why? Because I think, well, one, he he didn't really like those people. But two, I think he was afraid. He was afraid what might happen. Because he hated those people and he wanted God to smite them, to kill them. And he thought, if I go give them uh, the answers to the questions of life and they understand who God is and they might serve him, and I sure as heck don't want that to happen. God says, All right, fine. Get on that boat. You actually think you're getting away. Well, wait, chuck you off the boat. <laughs> I won't let you drown. That'd be too easy. I'll scoop you up. And then I'm going to give you another chance. I won't tell you the rest of the story if you haven't read it. It's a great one. What I want you to hear is that God is in our today. He is in our... I I hear so many people all uptight about what's going on in the in the world we live in, about the politics of the day, about all the things that are going wrong and all this and that and blah, 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 blah. You know what I've done? The best thing I've done in the last year, I quit watching TV. You want to know why? Because I don't need it. My God is bigger than the media. My God is bigger than what's going on every moment of the day. I know who wins. And I know that my God is in today, even when it feels unsettled and maybe it feels upside down. God is in today, it's 24 7. You don't have to make an appointment for Him, He's ready and willing. He tells us in Revelation 3.20, I stand at the door and knock, and if you hear my voice and open the door, I will come, and we will eat together. Great uh, symbolism of, of meeting God in a very personal way, sitting together, recognizing that He wants a relationship with us. There are a lot of those pictures of him standing at the door. There is no knob, right? There's no doorknob, right? Because he's waiting for us to open the door. That's the picture. What What he really wants, though, is for us to bow our heads, to be on our knees, to be broken in front of him, with him, for him. See, pride. Our pride is ridiculous. It gets in the way. It gets in the way of everything God wants for our lives. Every Sunday, or just about every Sunday, I offer the altar. And when I say that, I mean the altar is an opportunity to come and pray to God. You don't have to pray with me, I don't. You won't hurt my feelings at all. I don't care if you go and kneel at the steps. I don't care. Here's the reality. Our pride gets in the way of those things. I guarantee you this, not because of some great preacher, but because of some great God, that people, are their, their hearts are tugged each and every week in this service and services all over the place. Because God is working in today. We know full well That God is calling us to give up something. To give in to something. To give away something. That's getting in the way of our relationship with Him. It's not what I'm saying. It's what He's saying. I don't speak into your heart. God speaks into your heart. If it's a broken relationship... If it's anxiety, if it's frustration, if it's a financial need, whatever it is, he says, take it to me, take it to the altar, give it up. And I know week in, week out, the invitation is made, it's offered. But it's few and far between that people are actually listening, are hearing God's voice. They're hearing his voice. It's a matter of responding to His voice. If you're dealing with something and you don't know what to do with it, take it to God. Hebrews 11.6 reminds us that He rewards those who diligently seek Him. He rewards those who diligently seek him. If you're worried about being embarrassed, someone might think of something. Someone might say something. Someone will know that I went in front of the church. You're in the wrong place. Your mind is in the wrong place. It's not these people you have to worry about. It's Almighty God that we have to worry about. Get past your pride, your arrogance, and take it to Him. If you want to cement a decision that God has put on your heart, I dare you. I dare you to come to the altar and give it to Him. When I put in my application for the associate pastor position here. I've told the story a hundred times. It's okay, it's still good. It was Camp Judson Sunday. We were singing happy little songs, getting all the kids to go to Camp Judson. And I was broken. Broken over what to do. Broken. Broken that some ridiculous farmer kid would even have a chance to serve God. And somewhere in this pile is a paper that says, will you go with me? I don't know where it's at at the moment, but it's in there, I promise. And so on the happiest day of church, <laughs> church camp Judson day, I begged my wife to go with me to the altar. To follow through, what I knew God was leading me to. As terrifying as that was, as ridiculous as that sounded, I knew that that's what I needed to do. And we took it to God, and He blessed, because He is good. I went one more step further. I turned my application in on April Fool's Day. Because <laughs> I knew you'd have to be a fool to not trust God. And as I say, the rest is history, right? He was providing that plan many years in advance. And he's doing the same thing in your lives, If you will be willing to hear that and see that and respond to what he is speaking into your heart this morning. It's not what I'm speaking, right? I have learned that what I say doesn't really matter all that much as compared to what God is saying to you this morning. I have learned that I may be saying one thing and God is telling you something else inside. If he can take the Tower of Babel and change all those people's languages, he sure as heck can speak into your heart louder than I'm speaking this morning. The second thing we learn in here is that God is providing through our gifts, not our gifts of money, but rather our gifts that he's given us. The things that he has given us in personality. You think uh, Esther? It says in uh, two seventeen, says the king loved Esther above all of the women, and she obtained grace and favor in his sight more than the other virgins, so that he set the royal crown upon her head. She was beautiful, right? It says she was beautiful, and I don't shapely. I think it says doesn't. Do you think that's all she was? Absolutely not. She won the favor of everyone she came in contact with. The eunuch who was in charge said, holy cow, there's something special about this girl. They gave her seven attendants. Right off the bat, they knew there was something special. Do you think she had more beauty than the rest? I don't believe that. I believe they were all beautiful. But she had a personality, an understanding. She had something about her. God had gifted her and, and, and you know what I'm talking about when you meet those people that are just, they just light up a room, right? They just change the dynamic of a, of a, a party. They just exude grace. You understand what I'm talking about, those kind of people that God has gifted in that way. And each of us have gifts. That may not be our gift. Our gift may look differently. Our gift may be long-suffering. Our gift may be uh, the ability to talk one-on-one. Our gifts, God has given us so many gifts, and the Scriptures in the New Testament reminds us about all the different gifts. If you're a follower of Jesus, you have a gift. And I would say you have more than one My sense is the closer we draw clo- to him, he continues to build and grow those gifts in our life. It says we have different gifts according to what th- the grace that was given to each of us to serve others. Understand that your gift is not for you. We look at Esther's gift. We realize it was not for her. It wasn't so she would be Uh, a YouTube celebrity, or that she had TikTok, right? It wasn't on, she didn't, she wasn't a social influencer. That's what, that's the new name of celebrities now, social influencer. Pretty cool word, huh? That's for somebody who likes to be on on the internet, right? She had gifts that we recognize as, you don't sneak forward, right? Uh, But if, as you realize, she has a gift that will save her people, for such a time as this, that's in chapter four. you got two more weeks. That, that's, that's. So many people have so many gifts. I don't know if you look. I try to I try to catch people doing uh, God's work, the gifts that they have been given uh, in the church on off days, like not Sunday morning. I appreciate all the work that's done on Sunday morning, but I appreciate it just as much. All the work that's done on the off days, the Tuesday nights—if you haven't been in the basement, check it out. They're revamping it. There should be five new rooms down there. If you were down there before, when it was wet and musty and uh, moldy and it stunk, it is nothing like that now. It's awesome. There's new drywall and paint, and uh, doors are being new doors are being uh, doors are being painted and put up. Uh, one of our members, I thought he moved in. I seen his truck for like three days in a row. I was, he either got kicked out of the house or something, but no, he was he was painting and priming the doors and getting them ready. One awesome the only person here. No one even hardly knew he was here unless you saw his truck and you knew who his truck was. There was another group this week that went all the way around the building. They were in the cemetery. There was a group getting things ready for uh, Memorial Day, doing the bark. If you if you go around the church, you'll smell the bark, right? It stinks because it's fresh. Faithfully cleaning the weeds out, you don't know how many flower gardens there are unless until you walk around. Faithfully doing God's work, using the gifts and their resources. To God's glory. They weren't asked. I, I won't tell you their names because if I tell you the names, they might get mad at me. They might smack me. God provides through our gifts. If you're a good listener, be a good listener. If you're a good prayer, prayer. That's a real word somewhere. If you're a good prayer, pray for other people. If you're hospitable, be hospitable. If you're good at giving, give. If you're good at sharing, share. If you don't have a clue what your gift is, perfect, call me on Tuesday. We'll sit and have a cup of coffee and we'll figure it out. In fact, I dare you. Call me. We'll figure out what your gift is. There's someone in this church whose gift is driving tractors. <laughs> it's a great gift. I love it. We need someone to drive the tractor. You probably don't realize it because there's no snow out there today. But there are people who are gifted in being in the cold weather, cleaning up the aisleways and the entrances so that you can get in here in the middle of winter. There are all kinds of opportunities that God puts in front of us. But we have to be willing to use the gifts that God has put in front of us. He has provided already. All too often we think, well, the offering is the only gift I have to give. The New Testament says give it all. You have to give it all your life. Jesus gave his life. He's calling us to give our lives Finally, God provides through perfect timing. This kind of a shift in the scripture, right? Two thirds of the scripture was about the beauty pageant, and I, I, wish we'd had more time to spend on all of what's going on there. I mean, obviously Mary Kay was there, right? And they, right? There was oil and myrrh and cosmetics, and it was a different time, right? And so you're wondering, like, why? Why did they need to do that? I do that every day, right? Have you felt my face? It's beautiful. But there's this little piece at the end of chapter 2 that's a big shift. Did you get it? Did you see it? It's a bit violent, is it not? It's violent. If you didn't catch it, two guys got impaled. And by impaled, it's um, they took a nice big stake and they put it out in the city uh, right downtown, right in the middle. And they put a big stake. And, of course, they skewer him on it for threatening to kill the king. The interesting part of that is that Mordecai happens to be sitting at that, di- that gate that day, listening to Bigthan and Teresh, Thresh, uh, and overhears the story. They're angry about something. They're mad about what's going on. And so they're, they're plotting the king's death. And so this piece may not really make a whole lot of sense right now. But I want you to understand what's going on. It was God's perfect timing, perfect timing, that Mordecai was sitting there listening when they plotted his, the king's death. That he overheard that. And you hear what happened. He got the message to Esther. Esther got the message to Xerxes. Xerxes took care of the two guys that were causing the trouble. And then what happened? It got written in a book. It got written in a book, which doesn't mean much to us in chapter 2, right? That doesn't mean anything. Who cares? Wow, I got a certificate, a Woody Woodchuck Award, right? Suitable for framing. It doesn't mean much in chapter 2. Hold on to this little tidbit. It will mean a lot going forward. It probably said something like, Mordecai, made because it says that they made sure that it was attributed to Mordecai. Mordecai overheard these two guys and saved my life. Whatever the date was, right? May 29th, 2022. This, too, is God's providence as we move forward. As we move forward, we will see how important this is. We will see why it's written in there and why it I want to end this morning with with a reminder. A question for you to ponder. Where is God providing in your life? Where has His providence shown through? Are you allowing Him to provide in your life? Have you given Him your heart? The scriptures are really pretty plain They remind us that we have all sinned, that we have sin inside of us. Each one of us has sin. And in that sin, we are dead. It says dead in our trespasses. There's only one way to rectify that problem. And that's through the blood of Jesus. Understanding that Jesus came, God himself in the flesh came to this earth lived the perfect life, and died for us. He was raised again on the third day. And all he asks is that we take him into our life, that we allow him to work. Will you allow God to be your provider? See, is. It's a choice we get to make, right? We call it free will. You don't have to take it. It's not like, hey, you have to take this. No, it's God standing there. Here, I have it out in my hand. Do you want it? Do you want it? Do you want it to change your life? I'll still be standing here even if you turn around and walk away. That's what God says. He wants to provide for your life. We see his providence all over this book. We see this providence in our life. I want to encourage you. Look this week for God's providence in your life. Look for those opportunities to recognize God's hand in things that are happening. Be careful you don't just call him a coincidence. Or lucky, being lucky. It's not about being lucky. Look for God. He's working in the background. He's calling on your heart this morning. He's bending your ear in those quiet moments. Someone once told me he's a gentleman. And he won't force his way in. If he's tugging on your heart this morning, if he's tugging on your heart asking you to move in a direction, don't Jonah up. If he's calling you to take something to the altar this morning, don't chicken out. Ask someone next to you to go with you. You don't have to pray with me. It's okay. I won't be offended at all. It's not to me that you need to pray. It's the Almighty God. If you're looking for a change in your life, if you need to make things better, different, to make them right, take it to God. He's the one that you need to answer to. He's the one who wants to hear your voice, He's the one who wants to work in your life and be your provider. Let's pray. Lord God, thank you for your word this morning. Thank you for Esther. What a powerful reminder, Lord, that even in the middle of things that are backwards and upside down and uh, inside out, Lord, we think about the whole uh, situation with this beauty pageant and we're, we realize, Lord, that uh, in some ways it was messed up. It was messed up. There's a whole lot more rated R than, uh, than we would like to admit. And even in the messed up, you're working. Even in our gifts, you're working. Even in the timing of our life, you're working. Remind us, Lord, that we didn't show up here this morning uh, by coincidence. You didn't put those things on our heart this morning by coincidence. Lord, we'd like to realize that it was providence. Thank you for your love. In your name we pray. Amen.